What's up, guys? Welcome back into the Across a Bucket podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all. As always, back here on a Thursday, as usual, previewing the weekend to come. And man, oh man, you know, uh, yeah, I've been looking at the schedule this weekend, um, the past couple of days, and every time I look at it, I get more and more excited for uh, what you know what we're about to witness. There is a lot of important games this weekend that and we just talked about on um, on Tuesday conference races, and we went over every single conference and broke things down. Coming into this weekend, there's some serious shifting that could happen um, specifically within the CAA, NEC, some of those uh, mid-major conferences. Big Ten, ACC always has great games. Um, And and the first two games here, we're going to preview all ACC games. Uh, But before we get into that, um, I have to do uh, as I did last week on Thursday, um, I believe as I did on Tuesday as well, or I guess two Tuesdays ago, um, I have to do uh, another little rant on uh, hashtag free Marist. Uh, that is right. Marist is still locked down. Uh, Marist has zero positive COVID cases on their men's lacrosse team. The campus has a 2.9% positivity rate, which is significantly lower than many other places in the state of New York. Um, it is significantly, significantly lower than the uh, state guidelines or the state health department's uh, guidelines uh, as far as a threshold for a lockdown is concerned. Um, this is this isn't borderline. This is tyrannical. Um, you know, and honestly, this is it's ridiculous to punish people who have done nothing wrong, are not doing nothing wrong, ain't done nothing for an they ain't got one positive test for their entire semester entire spring season. They ain't got none. But then you got, you know, obviously you have positive cases on the campus, and I know there's been other sports that have had little outbreaks here and there, but nothing that warrants to lock down a school, lock down a team, prohibited, forget about the athletics for a point, for a minute. You're locking down an entire campus. It's been a freaking month, people, since Marist played. Marist played on March 6th. They've not played since. They've not played since. The women's basketball team was allowed to go to the NCAA tournament. They played Louisville in the first round. Do you know why they were allowed to go? Basketball, even a women's basketball, makes money. It's a profit sport. You get money from going to those tournaments. 
if it was so bad, if it was so bad, why would you allow your women's basketball team to go to the tournament? Oh, yeah, because you collect a paycheck from that. You collect a paycheck from that. I think I said this on the last podcast. I, you know, you know, I've been a big fan of Coach Wilkinson and what he's done with that program, uh, the success they've had recently. Uh, you know, it, it's been really impressive. It's been fun to watch that rise. This is a team that, you know, coming into the season, I said was the best team in the MAC. I was not the only one to say that. They are the most talented team in the MAC, or at least look like that on paper. But we can't tell that because they've only played one freaking game because the tyrannical leadership at that school continues to lock them down. It's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, I honestly, I don't care what your opinion of how things should be handled around um, this virus. I know everyone has their opinions, and, and you can have those, but this is beyond uh, beyond that. This is beyond an opinion. This is fact. This is going against science that everyone wants to say and listen to science. Look, I agree with that. Listen to science. This is going against science. This is going against guidelines. This is going against your uh, CDC, state, whatever. This is going against all of that. Um, and they're doing their own thing. They've gone rogue. Um, you know, I hope that we get to see. They have a game scheduled right now for, I think, Tuesday of next week. The lockdown is supposed to end on April 12th. I hope we see that. I, I really do. I hope that we see them play on April, uh, I think, 13, uh, 14th, I think, is when the next game is. It uh, might be the 13th. It's one of those two days next week. I hope we see that. I hope we get to see them play. But, man, I, and, I, and I don't care what the caliber of teams you're playing is, That this is going to be a tough stretch for Marist. Because um, they're going to have, and we looked at it on Tuesday before uh, we knew that this had been extended, said if they get out for this weekend, they were going to play Saturday and Sunday. Um, and and they, they, like, they'd been scheduled to play, I think it was Tuesday, Saturday, Sunday for like three weeks straight is, is how they're going to have to have to do this to get all their games in. So uh, another, you know, an unfortunate situation. Um, you know, I, I don't know what, you know, as a coach, as a coaching staff, I don't know what you can do. Um, you know, certainly you couldn't go and say, guys, we'll define the order. Um, you know, certainly you can't do that. We saw what happened at Delaware. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, getting an, an entire season canceled because a couple girls, um, defied the order or whatever you want to call it, went against the mandate, so didn't do what they were supposed to. Um, a couple girls didn't do that, and they uh, shut down the season, um, which is just another instance of just tyrannical behavior. And uh, I might not want to use that word, but um, I will anyway. And 
you know, what we all past that now. Let's move into some more class. Um, into the games going on this weekend because we have got uh, a whole heck of a lot of good ones this weekend, uh, including, as I mentioned, two in in the ACC. Uh, we're going to start with Notre Dame and Duke. Um, and by the way, if you missed, uh, we previewed Thursdays, Syracuse, Albany, and then Fridays, three games, or two games now, um, on Tuesday. So if you missed those, we previewed those on Tuesday. Um, mostly talked Syracuse, Albany, UMass, Hofstra, but we did uh, touch on the other ones as well a bit. So I uh, did preview those on, on Tuesday. This preview will strictly be Saturday and Sunday's games. Um, and starting here, as I mentioned, with uh, Notre Dame and Duke. Look, this is a this is a game um, where obviously Duke coming in off of that excuse me big win over uh, North Carolina last Thursday. Uh, Notre Dame is coming in off of that big win against Syracuse. So these are two teams that are coming in hyped up. Uh, coming in, fired up with a lot of energy. It's in South Bend. This is going to be not only a test for Notre Dame, and I think this is more of a test for, this is not a test for Duke. They're the top team in the country. This is a test for Notre Dame. Was what you did against Syracuse legit? If not, how serious should we take you? Obviously, having that loss to Virginia, who is hitting their stride, and we'll talk about them in a minute here. But I think this is a game where Notre Dame can prove themselves. I think they proved themselves on uh, against Syracuse last Saturday. But I think this is another one of those games where People will be watching and saying, okay, show me what you can do. I don't think anyone will certainly, you come into the game, you want to win. I think there's a lot of Notre Dame fans that think they can win this game. I certainly don't think they're going to come out with a win, but I certainly don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think this is going to be another, maybe another one-goal ACC game. Uh, This is going to be a heck of a battle. Um no, Notre Dame, their defense with uh, you know, Intamin has been kind of up and down this season. He was a bit up and down last year as well. Um, and, you know, I had some people specifically after that Denver game last year, I remember saying something about his play. I said he looked like a freshman. I had some people come at me and be like, hey, man, that's he's an All-American. Um, I get that. Um, but I think even, I can't remember who it was, uh, one of the broadcasts this year, they mentioned, um, look, he, he's a freshman. He's uh, he's a sophomore now, but um, they, you know they had mentioned, you know, played a bit as a freshman, uh, you know, took over that starting role, and this year is continuing to improve. But there's still areas where he needs to work on, where he needs to mature. This is a big game for him, I think. Well, he can he can show. This is 
how this is my best. Because you're going up against Michael Sowers, Joe Robertson, Brennan O'Neill, Nakai Montgomery, Caputo, Williams. This offense, we've talked about it, is absolutely ridiculous. They can attack you from multiple different spots. So um, exactly how good is this Notre Dame defense? How good is Liam Intamin? I think this game is going to tell us a lot about that. This game is going to tell us a lot about Intamin's growth as a goalie. I mentioned he's been getting better this season. Um, he's been getting better since he first stepped on campus last year, since we first saw him in action. Uh, he still has some things that he needs to work out. Um, you know, I think he can be one of the best goalies, one of the better goalies in the country, um, if you don't consider him that already. Um, he certainly is a young player, has a lot to improve on. Um, and, and you can say the same uh, with a guy like Pat Cavanaugh, um, who is, you know, obviously a sophomore there. And, you know, I, I saw some people try to put him in the Tualatin conversation. You know, look, I don't necessarily subscribe to that belief, but I understand it. I understand it. The dude's got 37 points, 26 assists. I mean, he's he, he he's ridiculous, man. He's putting up ridiculous numbers. Um, but when you look at this Notre Dame offense and what they did against against Syracuse was impressive. Um, if they can do that against against Duke, and again, I don't think they're going to win, but I think this is going to be a pretty dang close game. Um, and, and I do think this game will tell us more about Notre Dame than it will about Duke. Um, I, I, I honestly, and I think I said this on, on Tuesday's podcast when we were going through the conference schedules, I said I don't think Duke's losing another game. Um, I said the only area where I can see them losing is you know, possible. They, they, they end, so you have Notre Dame, and you're at, at Notre Dame, at Virginia, at home against the Irish on the 22nd, and you're at UNC on the 2nd. I think possibly those second-time matchups against the Irish and the Tall Heels, they could possibly trip up. They could possibly trip up against UVA with how they're going. Uh, but we, you know, UVA, if they want to keep this momentum going, um, you know, they've got to beat UNC this weekend. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a second. I, I do want to mention before we get off of this game, the face-off battle. Because we saw Notre Dame, we saw Kyle Gallagher, and Charlie Leonard, they were absolutely stellar against Syracuse on Saturday. They were absolutely stellar. I will be honest with you. I did not expect that play from those two. I ex- I expected them to be, a, the unit as a whole I'm speaking to, to be about that 50%. I expected Gallagher to to dominate, okay? But I expected Syracuse to at least counter much better than they did. Jake Naso on for, for Duke, he went up against uh, Tyo and Tucci on last Thursday. 
and he did his thing. The man went 63%, one of the best performances at the dot we've seen against that Carolina team this year. So he's riding high coming into this one as well as them. That's going to be a battle that, at that face-off dot, worth watching. Uh, Gallagher, obviously the mainstay there for the Irish. Charlie Leonard has been that secondary guy for Duke. You've got Naso, uh, O'Connell, and Gender have taken draws this season as well. Two very, very solid face-off units going to go against each other here on Saturday. Moving to the other ACC game of the weekend, uh, Virginia traveling to Chapel Hill to take on North Carolina. This is a rematch of an early earlier season game in which I'm trying to pull up the final of this one. Okay. 13 uh, 16 to 13 North Carolina. This is uh, this was Colin Krieg's essentially uh this was was this his ACC yeah, this was his ACC debut, and this is the one where he absolutely went off. He absolutely went off. Uh, 20 saves in this one, I mean, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, the man put up some numbers that are just just numbing um, when, when, when you see his stats from that game. And when you go back and watch that game, he was impenetrable. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Um it, just phenomenal performance from him. Um, and, and really, Carolina, I think they led wire to wire um, in this one. And look, I, I mentioned how well Duke did against uh, Tyler and Tucci. Petey Lasala, how, um, how well, yeah, Duke did, how well Naso did against them um, on last Thursday. Lasala's the only guy that's gone you know, above 60%, I want to say, on them uh, also. So, Lasala and Naso have been the only two guys that have really been able to control that Carolina face-off unit. But it didn't matter in this one um, as Carolina kind of ran away with things. The defense looked impressive. Um, obviously, the Carolina ride, the Virginia ride, get a lot of praise I'm excited about that one again, um, you know, and I do want to mention while I am mentioning some stats from that last game they played. This is essentially a different Virginia team. This is essentially a different Virginia team. In that last game, you had Schellenberger, Matt Moore, Jeff Connor as your top three scorers. Peyton Cormier had a hat trick as well. But those are your guys. Doc Aiken had an assist. Laviano had an assist. Botrond had a goal. And while Botrond has not played as well as you would have liked him to over the past couple games, we've seen Doc Aiken step up. Last game wasn't um, spectacular for him, but... To be honest, they didn't really need him um, against Richmond. But um, 
You look at against Notre Dame, two goals to assist. Against LMU, three goals. I mean, in the games where they've needed him to step up, he has stepped up, and you know, I, I don't see a reason to believe that he's not going to step up here. I don't have any reason to believe that Virginia is not going to continue on this impressive run, um, this resurgence that we've seen from them late season offensively. I have no reason to believe they're not going to continue that in this contest. So this one, honestly, for me, I I flip a coin on this one as to who wins. Uh, Usually I come in with, I think this team's going to win. I think this team's going to win. I honestly do not know about this one. This game, honest, and obviously the fact that they've played before, I think, gives both teams, well, when I mentioned the changes that we've seen in Virginia, we haven't really seen that much change in Carolina as they've just been who they are um, since the beginning. Sure, we've had... Um, We've seen some more inclusion from other guys on a consistent basis, uh, quarter to quarter, but on, on really both ends. But you know, I I think if 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 I'm Virginia, you know, the the one thing I am looking at is that Carolina defense and how we can penetrate that, because I think Duke gave you a good. I think Duke gave you. The Duke gave you the play sheet, how you beat Carolina, and I, 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 I think Virginia has the horses to get it done. You know, I don't think it's going to be a wire-to-wire lead for either of these teams. It's going to be a close one. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned with uh, Duke and Notre Dame, could go down to one goal. Um, I would not be surprised if we have two one goal, two two goal games here in the ACC this weekend because these are really big games. And you know, when you look at the ACC standings right now, you have Carolina um, sitting there in second, I believe, um, with a pull up the full standings here. Um, I think Carolina is in second at the moment. Yeah, they're still in second, one and one, alongside Notre Dame, one and one. Virginia's one and two. Syracuse is one and two. If Duke wins, if Virginia wins, this can this completely flips this thing. Where on a on a um, to call it a, a record basis. You would see Virginia go to two and two, and they would they would um, they would flip up there. If Duke wins, they go three zero. They essentially they're at the top, um, and then you would see that UNC Duke there, excuse me, UNC Notre Dame at one and two there um, alongside Syracuse and uh, you know Syracuse. They obviously have that game against Albany. This weekend, and then they play uh, North Carolina next week. Assuming game against Albany uh, on Thursday, recording here on a Wednesday, so tomorrow. So this game could uh, could flip some things in the ACC standing wise. Um, I'm still of the belief that 
all five ACCs can get into the tournament. I think the one team that I would be the one team that needs to be the most worried is Syracuse, um, especially after that loss. So, well, mainly because of that loss, but um, th- that's the only team I'd say you know needs to be worried. I, I get asked about that a lot, you know. And before we even get into the Big Ten, um, the Big Ten's only getting two teams in at max um, this year, so you know just. Just going to put that out there. My, my personal belief there is the way they get three, maybe. I just don't see it. So the Big Ten games on the docket this weekend, Penn State, Rutgers, Ohio State, Johns Hopkins, Michigan, Maryland. The Penn State-Rutgers one is intriguing because I do want to see how well Penn State looks against Rutgers later on in the season um, after they've been looking better than they did early on. Um, and they did only lose 15-13 to 13 last time. Um, not that I think Penn State's going to beat Rutgers or that they're better than them, but we did see how close Ohio State did play the Scarlet Knights a week ago. No, much of that credit deserves and and goes to uh, Ryan Terrafinko, um there. So, you know, Penn State doesn't really have a guy like that. So, um, you know, the offense has gotten better, and and that's really the only intriguing aspect for that one for me. I think Rutgers is going to get this one, and honestly, it doesn't move or shake anything in the Big Ten standings. Um, you know, Rutgers, they're in second. The only two losses are to Maryland. Um, neither of those losses are bad losses. Um, so, uh, you know, th- this one, it, Penn State-Rutgers, is it intriguing? Yes. Is it as intriguing maybe as we thought it could have been um, coming into the season? Not really. Um, but I do want to see the improvements from Penn State against that Rutgers team. Uh, you know, Cole Coast has been fantastic in cage. We've seen that offense flash all year long, um, more than flash, be great all year long. Defensively, they've improved from last year. Um, the one area where I do give Penn State, and I know I've been hoping on Gerardo say a lot this year, he has not adjusted to the new rules as well as some other guys. He's had a good past couple weeks. He's starting to come into his zone. Um, went 79% against Hopkins, 58% against Maryland. So, and he's he went 71% against the Topes last time. Um, against Rutgers last time, he went 50%. So, um, I think Arcelli's the one guy I give them that say that you know, says that is a upper hand that they have is that the face-off die. So is it intriguing? Is it an intriguing one? Certainly. Um, you know, I will definitely have that open kind of second screen. Um, it's at noon, but we'll certainly have the Notre Dame-Duke game on the ESPNU on the TV um, there instead of that Penn State Rutgers, which is on the Big Ten Network. Have that one on the computer. 
Ohio State, Hopkins, I think, is the other one that I do. Um, th- this is the best game of the week for me uh, in the Big Ten because, look, these two teams opened the season against each other. Ohio State, I said it on this podcast, out-athleted Johns Hopkins in every way possible. Ohio State is coming off of a loss, but a game in which they looked as good as they had since that Hopkins game all year. So coming, and this is a home game for Ohio State as well, having Hopkins come in here, you're looking for another win. You are sitting in third place in the Big Ten. You have Maryland and Penn State next up. You lost to Penn State 15-13 to earlier on in the season. And you know, we know you are not necessarily going to beat um, Maryland. We know that. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so this is one where Ohio State can essentially solidify their spot as that third place team in the in the Big Ten. That they really can with if they get this one here, and uh, the fact that they beat them fourteen to eight to start the season. Um, you know. And then we, we've seen Hopkins grow as well uh, fr- from there. Um, Hopkins obviously coming off of that loss against Michigan. They're riding a three-game losing streak into this one. So I, I honestly don't know how this one's going to turn out. You know, we've seen Hopkins be pretty bad. We've seen Ruck, uh, Ohio State be pretty bad at, at times this year. What are we going to get from this one? I, this is probably one of the most up-in-the-air games of the weekend, certainly in the Big Ten, and, and like I said, does have an impact on that you know, middle and bottom tier of the Big Ten with Hopkins sitting there at the bottom alongside Penn State um, and Michigan there um, at the bottom with two and five records. And By the way, I said that Penn State lost to Rutgers 15-13. to They lost 11-9. to I was looking at the wrong score on that one. So, uh, correction there. Apologies on that. Moving on from the top two conferences in the college lacrosse world, um, do want to go over some other big games. Not going to go as in-depth on them, but do want to mention some other games here. Certainly, I mentioned there's a lot of big games this weekend. Um, And, you know, we're going to start in the CAA. Um, I'm just going to go down the schedule here. I'm just looking at the schedule here on lacrossebucket.com. I'm just going to go down here. So, first off, what was that? Okay. LIU... Well, yeah, we'll start with the NEC. LIU and Bryant. So, we'll hit the mic there. Um, LIU and Bryant are currently sitting in the top half 
of the NEC standings. St. Joe's is number one. LIU is four and one in second place. Hobart is three and one in sec in uh well, kind of that third place, and then Bryant is three and one. So all those three teams both have one losses. One loss. LIU Bryant against each other this weekend. Um I don't think they've played before this year. Um yeah, they have not played prior. Um this is the first and only meeting. Um, but this could be a big one there um for the Sharks or for the the um the Bulldogs, whichever way you want to put it. I mean, this is a big one in the NEC. Um, we still have a couple weeks away before really conference tournaments are solidified and all of that, but um, this certainly could pull Hobart, pull Bryant up, pull LIU down um, in, in the standings. Uh, there certainly, and we, we've seen some great play from both these teams. LIU, you know, Richie, uh, got Calandra, you got Will Mark and Cage. Uh, you look at Bryant, you got Logan McGovern's been fantastic offensively. Uh, Brett uh, Albandane has been good as well. Um, and then in Cage, Luke, uh, I always you know butcher this last name, but Carl, Carl Soli, um in, in Cage. He's one of our uh, three stars early on in the season. Uh, then you have Nathan Liebert. At the faceoff dot, I've been really impressed with Bryant this year, uh, but equally as impressed with LIU. They have, you know, they've made their statement that they are not only worthy of being a Division One program, they can compete uh, within their own conference, and uh, no, they're not afraid to stand up to anyone. Um, and they've gotten some really good wins this year, including one over Hobart. So. Um, this is going to be a good game, though. Another one in the NEC is Hobart and St. Joseph's. St. Joe's started the season pretty bad. You lose to Towson. You lose to Delaware. You lose to Army. Three straight losses to start the season. Ever since then... They ain't done nothing but win. Uh, Beat Wagner, beat Sacred Heart, beat Merrimack, beat Mount St. Mary's. The game against Wagner last weekend was postponed. And they're at Hobart this weekend. They will go at Bryant next weekend and then at versus LIU to end the season unless they move that Wagner game past there. So that's what it's looking like at the moment. Um, This is a... A big one here for for Hobart. They're coming off a big win over Bryant. We have St. Joseph's obviously coming off of that unintended, um, unintended, unplanned bye week uh, with the game being postponed um, for COVID reasons or whatever um, their last week. So, this one here, as I mentioned, St. Joe's is undefeated in conference play. 
Hobart has that one loss. Uh, you know, we know what this. We we know what this offense on, on both ends can do, um, especially being in Hobart and, and what they've done. Two teams like Syracuse the past couple of years, uh, just putting up some gaudy numbers. Uh, you know, with St. Joe's, you know, Tucker Albany has, has stepped in uh, as the main guy in cage. Jack Zulo was pulled um, a couple games back, and Albany Albany has just continued to improve and continued to impress over the past couple weeks. Um, so this is going to be uh, – and in St. Joe's, I, I've never you – know, this year from what I've seen, the defense is not – spectacular, but in cage, Albany, Albany, I keep on saying Albany, Albany, um, the the way he's played has really enhanced this defense. Obviously, offensively, Matt Bellmer, Ryan Dorian, uh, Levi Anderson, you know, guys that have been putting up numbers all season. Obviously, with Hobart, you got Ryan Archer there. Uh, Jason Knox, two really good offensive players. Derek Madonna, uh, Tommy Mott, Troy Bartholomew, um, a six foot seven kid. Uh, got in a six foot seven playing. Playing. Uh, they got him at a attack. Yeah, they got him at attack. They went him at midfield a bit too. Um, Bradley Samas um, has come on the scene this year and and, and been quite impressive. So. And, and, and look, I, I'm a big fan of this Hobart offense. I've said that before. Um, and, and this is an offense that is exciting to watch. I'm excited to see what they do up against the St. Joseph's uh, defense. I really think that this game, obviously St. Joseph's is on a streak right now, and it could go either way. I think the X factor will probably, will probably be at the X where Zach Cole uh, has been dominant this year, so I, I am picking St. Joseph's to win this one. I do think they will win this one, but um, again, th- this is one that both teams want to win. Um, obviously, both teams coming in under different circumstances, I would call it. Uh, both coming in off wins, but St. Joseph's having a week off, so uh, coming in under different circumstances, but it's going to be a heck of a, he- heck of a game there. Delaware and Drexel. So Drexel, they upset UMass last weekend. I think Drexel's a bit Drexel, not Drexel. Drexel um, is a bit better than we thought they were gonna be. You know, Sean Donnelly, uh, Syracuse transfer, has been phenomenal this year. Like there's no other way I can I, I can explain it. He's been phenomenal, um, and we haven't like guys like Reed Bowling, Colin Mailman, haven't really been there this year. But when you look at some of these other guys that have, it's been impressive. Um, you look in cage. Ross Plumthall had a solid game last week against UMass. Jemiah Kota has done consistently what he's done his entire career at the face-off dot for this Drexel team. Are they, you know, 
I mean, the question for me is, obviously this Delaware offense has been fantastic all year. Mike Robinson, Ty Coates, Charlie Kitchen, Mark Bita, the Achion brothers. I mean, it, you just name them all, and they've been so good this year. And you know, not to mention Kilkiri and Cage and, and the, the Delaware defense in general. Owen Grant has been phenomenal. Uh, has made some very impressive plays every single time out. Um, I think the biggest question for me coming into this game is, you know, that I want to come out of this game answering is, is Drexel legit? Is Drexel a legit contender? And look, I know with the way that the CAA tournament is going to work out this year, it doesn't really matter. Um, Because this... This conference breeds madness. They breed madness. Every year, they breed madness. So something's crazy. Something crazy is going to happen in the tournament. I already know it. You already know it. Um, but as far as tears, like is Drexel up there with Delaware? Or is there a drop-off? Um, you know, we have yet to see Delaware play Hofstra, play UMass. Um, they beat Towson, albeit 13 to 12, which makes me think Towson is better than their record. They've not won a conference game yet. Um, they play Fairfield this weekend. I think they're probably gonna win that one. Uh, but we have not seen Drex we have not seen Towson play Hofstra or UMass. Now, I do want to mention they did play Drexel early on. And they won 19 to 12. This is a different looking Drexel team than what we saw, you know, less than a month ago. Um, so while I do think and do agree with a lot of people that Delaware clearly has a more talented roster, this is a Drexel team coming in under different circumstances, um, looking like they figured things out after what I said was a bumpy early season. So a, a, a big one here in the CAA that really could either provide some clarity or create more madness in a conference that, like I said, this is what they bleed. Moving on to the Patriot League. Um, two games I want to talk about here, Loyola and Army and Lehigh and Navy. So... I don't think I mentioned this on the podcast last week, but Loyola had to beat Navy, or they were, so. I've mentioned well, I mentioned it on Tuesday, is when I mentioned it. The we are going over the conferences, Patriot League, top two teams from the North and the South get in to the tournament. I don't know why they decreased the tournament size this year instead of. Went with their usual size when everybody else was expanding it. I don't understand it. I probably will never understand it, but they have their reasons. They decreased it. So, last week, Loyola and Navy played each other. Loyola had to beat Navy, or they were out. Because they lost to Lehigh. Now, they do play Navy again later on in the season, in uh, or next week, 
they play Navy, they play Navy again. But if they were to lose that one, that would have been two losses in the South, and the top two teams going essentially Lehigh and Navy would have been the top two teams there. It, it still is Loyola. It's Lehigh, Loyola, Navy as those top three. I don't think there's a way that Navy gets in now to the conference tournament. Essentially, was, you know, whichever team won <clears throat> was essentially pretty much going to set up to go to the tournament. So, Navy, uh, Loyola coming in this week, playing a North Division opponent in Army. And look, they, 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 what they did against uh, Navy was impressive. One of the most impressive showings from Loyola. This is a team that I've said consistently has been inconsistent. Um, Army, you know, coming off of that loss against Lehigh, they're still a top 10 team. Um, that is a, a, a very, very intriguing matchup. I don't think it's going to be as defensive heavy, as physical as Army and Lehigh, but it's certainly going to be a good one. And then we have Lehigh playing Navy. Again, a top-tier matchup there in the South. Lehigh has already beaten Loyola. They've essentially locked up um, that kind of top spot there. <clears throat> in the South Division, uh, they have Navy, and they play Lafayette twice. They play Bucknell, and they have that uh, game against Villanova that could or could not happen. Uh, we've seen uh, Syracuse drop their game uh, May game against Utah, uh, so we might see some things happen like that in other conferences as well. But you know w- what I'm excited for most in this Lehigh Navy game <clears throat> is obviously both these offenses have, have had flashes and whatnot all season, and Lehigh looked dang impressive over the, over the weekend, and. I think Sisselberger is going to uh, dominate the faceoff dot, um, and this will pro- this could pro- this this could be his best game. And like, no disrespect to Navy, uh, to Hammond, Jarzo, those guys, but Mike Sisselberger has just been unbelievable. Like, I don't think it, they, Navy has anyone that stands up to him. Um, but I'm most intrigued in this goalie battle. James Spence, Spencer Lees. Spence, 61% save percentage. Lees, 59% save percentage. Two of the best goalies in the conference. Two of the best goalies, I would argue, in the country in terms of top 10 is concerned. Um, maybe top five for one of them uh, this season. So that's going to be an intriguing matchup there. Navy, uh, Lehigh, as I said, South battle there in the Patriot League. On Sunday, um, we have Albany and UMBC. This is going to be one that... This game is bigger for... hmm, I don't know. So UMBC sits atop the conference there in the CAA. After uh, who they beat last week, after beating Vermont, 
um, they sit atop the conference there with a 4-1 record tied with Stony Brook and Vermont. Obviously, they've beaten Vermont, and they have beaten Stony Brook. So they're sitting atop there. Um, <clears throat> with, I, I, I would assume the tiebreaker. Will they play Stony Brook again? Um, they do not play uh, Vermont again. So with the tiebreaker over Vermont, um, I should say that. So this game against Albany, I think, is another test. First of all, it's a test to see, okay, we've seen Albany's offense be pretty deep. We've seen Albany, uh, different stages of Albany, obviously without the Hoka now. They looked pretty good last weekend. How, can they continue that? And then for UMBC, can they continue this level of play? Obviously, they have that upset loss against uh, Binghamton. You know, that's the sole loss of the season. This is a phenomenal UMBC team. They have a pretty dang good offense. They have a pretty dang good defense. I would say an underrated defense, um, especially an underrated close defense. Tommy Ranger has been fantastic in cage there. Um, and people forget, this is a this is a, a staff that they, this is a program Jameson Kostner was their defensive coordinator. They did not replace him. Craig Chick <clears throat> is running their defense, I believe, but he's a volunteer assistant. So, um, they're for the, the Retrievers. So this is an impressive season for them. This is another chance for them to prove themselves. And look, Albany's coming off Syracuse on Thursday. They're going to be tired. Are they not going to be? How's that one going to play out? Uh, certainly one to watch there. Um, two other games I want to mention, Richmond and Mercer on Sunday, and then on Saturday, Jacksonville and Air Force. Look, I think the SoCon is pretty much, I think it's pretty much set. Um, Mercer could get that fourth spot from Air Force. Um, I don't think they'll beat in Richmond. Air Force and Jacksonville, I'm intrigued by. Um, <clears throat> I, both, I've seen both those teams play a lot this year. Um, both are very good. It, it's going to be a good contest there. Um, both are currently in the playoff picture in the SoCon. Uh, but that is that. Um, you know, neither of those games really, I think, hugely impactful. Um, like I said, the SoCon's pretty set. Only thing is, can Mosa jump Air Force um, after beating them? Last week, I think that's possible. So that's the only question left for me um, with the SoCon. That is it for today's show. Um, as always, thank you all for listening. You can find us on social media at Lacrosse Bucket, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, lacrossebucket.com is the website. Listen to the podcast on Apple where you can leave a five-star review. Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and multiple other podcast apps. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the World Class, and we will see y'all on Sunday.